You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast designed by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our goal every single week to bring you content that is not just speaking to the rural context, but is spoken by people who get it. I'm your host, Joe Epley, and I hope that you'll stick with us over the next two weeks as we get to dive into a wonderful two-part conversation I had with a friend of mine, Pastor Rebecca Thomas, about not just women in ministry in the rural church, but also how to help women in general thrive in discipleship and mentorship as we all follow Jesus together. So I hope you'll check out both those parts, but for now, let's get right to it. And today we get a chance to uh, have, um, I guess to me, this would be just a, an incredibly important conversation, an incredibly important topic. And so I've invited my friend, uh, Pastor Rebecca Thomas on here, because we're going to be discussing uh, women in ministry and even beyond that, really more of what does it look like for the rural church to um, allow women the opportunity to flourish both in ministry and discipleship in all those areas. And so um, I am just so excited to dive into that. Again, a hugely important um Especially, uh, you know, just as we minister, it's like, man, here's half of the body of Christ we're talking about today. And how do we help all of us succeed and all of us flourish? So uh, first thing I want to say is, Pastor Rebecca, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. I'm uh, I mean, I'm busy, but that's just (laughs) ministry and ministry and mom life. But um, and I started my MDiv this year, so I'm also busy with that. It's a full plate. So it's a little bit, a little bit. Well, awesome. Well, hey, uh, you know, the first question we always ask people is because we really do uh, pride ourselves on on having voices that kind of, again, speak from a place of understanding. And mm-hmm. so would you just give us maybe a, a flyover of, of your ministry background and specifically kind of your connection to the rural church? So I grew up, um, I, I didn't grow up in the church, but I came to faith and I uh, in college and I went to a university um, in central Washington. So the, for those of you that might not be familiar with geography, uh, central Washington uh, is on the east side of the Cascades. And so we have a pretty uh, conservative and rural space over here. Um, I also, I mean, I, I lived out in the country most of my life too on land. So I just kind of had that growing up, but I... Um, stayed in my college town. And um, I did the internship with Chi Alpha, came to faith through Chi Alpha. And I thought I was going to be a campus pastor, thought I was going to work in college ministry. And then we needed to kind of, we needed to pay off student loans. And so I went into the workforce for four years and taught social studies oh, nice. uh, in the public school. And nice. so I have lots of good stories for teaching um middle school and high schoolers. And uh, and then I had an opportunity at, the, so the church that I'm on staff at, I actually have been attending since 2008 because oh, wow. it was my church that I went to as a college student, um, kind of really got connected with Alpha in 2000, uh, well, my junior year of college, I started attending there. So I kind of grew up there. I was able to, uh, our, our former, former lead pastor stepped down. They needed an associate and um, the Holy Spirit prompted me of like, you have the qualifications, like why not talk to the lead pastor? So I did. And I, um, that's kind of been my, 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 uh, ministry journey of like my positions have been Chi Alpha and then this church and, um, our church is a, a new called new life and it's an assemblies of God church, um, in a little tiny itty bitty city, uh, called <laughs> Kittitas. 
which if you watch, see it spelled, nobody knows how to pronounce it. So there you go. Yeah, I even and, think uh, I got corrected during our phone call for this conversation because I, I think you did. No one even knows. Kitty Tada. I have I have videos from General Counsel in 2021 of Zach Wilkinson going around and asking people. Hey, pronounce this with my business card. Like that's so trying good. to get ministers at the under 40 that's reception. So good. Um, I love that. <laughs> to pronounce it. And nobody could do it. It was wonderful. So you find so, yourself yeah, in Kitty Test. Tell us a little bit about the Kitty town. Kitty Test, yeah. So the town is the town itself, the actual city is 1,500 people. Um, it is outside, about six miles outside of Ellensburg, which is the college town. So we sure. have this combination of like college town and I mean, it's still a small college town, but it's sure, you know, yeah. still a college town. Um, and then, but the city of Kittitas itself is is very tiny. Um, and we have a post office and we have a wonderful cafe and we have a lot of Love farmers that. and we have a ton of that, you know, rural farm um, homestead, homesteading type culture um, uh, going on all around us outside of the city limits. But the actual city itself is is fairly tiny. Um, and sure. my husband and I live in the city limits. And so we found a house, rented it rent to own bought it so we um i live in this little tiny life um (laughs) in a little tiny town yeah so it's this interesting blend of like coming from college ministry and then what does it look like to to do church ministry in a small town that's driven by the friday night football games but not necessarily church on sunday like our demographic Mm. i feel like we have a lot of really conservative people but not, but they're not church attenders and they don't even consider this on themselves believers. They just really fall on that. Like they probably it's fall into a, the yeah, demo like gray area in a sense. Yeah. yeah. The, like the demographic of like, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian kind of right, right. mentality, Cultural but they is, is kind of the vibe. Yep. Yeah. But really, but, but it's in, in name only. I mean, really legitimately sure, only sure. in name only. So <laughs> um, we yeah, have a lot of that. Enough. That's fair. Um, and a lot of low-income families within our city limits and our county. Um, so that's nice. kind yeah, of no, our, like, over our thing. I'm the associate pastor. My job description has recently changed because we had new lead pastors come in. And um, and so that's been nice. It's kind of streamlined things. But, um, yeah, so I've, I've, I ran our youth ministry for a while. And then um, now it's kind of being slowly taken over by the new guy. Um, but I'm still involved. So oh, I kind cool. of... I, my hats, I have a lot of hats, but I've been able to kind of sort them out a little bit better and not have to do as much in this season. So that's been wonderful. Nice. And honestly, uh, what's a better descriptor of small town ministry than saying, uh, like, if I had a dime for every single human being that I ever interviewed that said, yeah, I wear a lot of hats, not sure what all of them are. Like, mm-hmm. that's how we describe ourselves. Like, that is small town yeah. church. You end up just mm-hmm. doing a ton and there's all sorts of ages involved and groups and and yeah. different yeah different seasons and it's it's all one amazing small town mess so yes. uh to the topic at hand so the reason i bring this up is uh you know uh, we usually ask people hey when we get on the phone with them hey what, what's something you're passionate about and i know that uh you and i have been friends prior to this and and even as we approach this conversation uh it's a passion we both share you know this conversation mm-hmm. about women in ministry uh women in the church in general how do we create environments where uh again a significant sometimes more than half of the body of christ uh can flourish and so mm-hmm. uh the one thing we do know about this conversation as we started though is that this is not exactly a cut and dry topic no matter how much one feels it should be or wants it to be um i have had so many people uh, walk out to me and say well 
uh, women are limited biblically, you know, to certain roles in ministry. And then I've had people on the other side say women are not limited, you know, biblically. And and of course, both like to throw that word biblically with with just astounding clarity and authority. Yeah. Um, and the Bible so, is clear. Exactly. So, and this is just a question to help our listeners get on the same page. Why do you believe that we are, or that the Bible is, you know, kind of pro, not just pro women mm-hmm. in ministry, pro women, but just, just has that bend to it. Cause it's, again, I think it's a belief that you and I share, but I'd love to hear your words. So. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting kind of my journey of, of fully understanding um, scripture and even this topic, because there was mixed messages that I got um, not growing up in the church, but then I had friends, sure. like one yeah. of my really close friends in high school. I remember telling me like, he he hated the movie Mulan because women were supposed to be naturally submissive to men, <laughs> oh my and gosh. I was like, imagine having I was a beef like, with like an what? animated Disney movie. Like, gosh, that's right? a heavy and, one. I just and can't. I was like, it, and it shocked me at the time. I wasn't a believer, so sure, like, sure, and that was not, not a great not encounter. Yeah, not a great testimony. Like, <laughs> I know he's this devout church kid, and I was sure. not, and so that didn't, you know. So when I like really was digging into scripture and wrestling with passages like in first Corinthians or the Timothy passage or what, you know, what does this mean? I, um, it, it's been a long journey. I think the, the, the clincher that came to it, the, that, or the, sure. the, the baseline foundation that I came to, um, in my study was going back to the creation account. Sure. And, Outside of, I mean, I know we are a Pentecostal denomination fellowship yep. with the assemblies. And so there's lots of like Pentecostal reasons we could say the Joel sure. prophecy and, and all those things. Yeah, on my but, sons and daughters, you know, we right, were yep, I'm going to prophesy. Yeah. So, but then, then you get into the nitty gritty of like, sure, they can prophesy, but that doesn't mean they, they can preach. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, well, it's a weird, what is, it's a vibe. what is, what is <laughs> preaching if not prophesying and speaking sure, for God, sure. right? Because yeah. prophecy isn't fortune telling or future telling yeah, yeah, all the time. Exactly. It's, it's speaking God's word. So I remember the, this this moment that I had um, when I, I was watching a video of a, of a, it was a Wesleyan minister actually discussing creation of, of the kind of, we build a lot of our uh, theology off of the fall instead of off of creation. Sure. Which and is what wild. we, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, I, I don't understand it. Um, uh, I mean, I do, I understand it theologically and how they've gotten there, but I, it doesn't make sense anymore to me. Um sure. And there's such mutuality in, mm. you know, we, we, we see, we see the way that um, it's expressed in Genesis of that uses like the Royal we for God, right. We let, let us, let us create man in our image yeah, absolutely. and uh, man and male and female, we created them. Um, there is no, there's no hierarchy there. There's no, there's no hierarchy in the Godhead. Um, there's yeah. no hierarchy in that space. And um, and even in the language of the Hebrew in in Genesis two, we just we see everything being being partner and being equal in being made in the image of God. Um, and you know we don't need to get into like what does it mean if the image of God oh, is also sure, female sure, because yeah, that's yeah, yeah. a whole nother yeah, can of worms. You, we don't have um, that's not really we today. We <laughs> don't have to. We don't have time for that. Um, we'll have a follow up series. It'll be fine. But that, yeah, but I feel it's gonna like gonna be called that, the Shack originally. Actually, yeah. Well, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I loved that book though. Actually, I know that that's a hot <laughs> totally button fair. for some people. Uh, but yeah, like, no worries. No worries. Yeah, I got to. I going back it. to the account um, hand. For going sure, back for to sure. the, the account. So, <laughs> so, so when I had that clarity, and then when we read the rest of scripture, and we we see that kind of original design, and we see how humanity has messed it up, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, uh, 
everything in Genesis falls apart, everything, you know, and yet almost every story that we see in scripture of women is them um, kind of rebutting the cultural context in which yeah, they're breaking set. the mold in a sense. Yeah, they're, they are breaking the mold. And so we end up in this like this juxtaposition of like, well, the Bible is set in a patriarchal culture. So that sure. means that patriarchy is what we're supposed to have. And right. um, I I just, I don't think the creation account supports that. Um, right. And and if the creation account doesn't support that, and if our original design was to have this mutuality, not just not just between husbands and wives, um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. That, but that we are race, better yeah. together, like mm -hmm. you and I are going to work better together, Joe, when we right. view each other as fellow image bearers and co-laborers for the kingdom, and we don't view each other as a, a, you know a subordinate or authoritative or a threat or a yeah. usurper or um, sure. any of those things. We like the kingdom of God is going to flourish when we view each other accurately, and and so that's my foundation. Um, and so then yeah. when you go and look at at the texts that speak to um, women being silent in church or not, yeah, teaching kind of these and, classic. You know, you mentioned Timothy, yeah, these ones that may say. Women remain silent in churches. Women remain I do silent. not permit yeah, women to teach. Women to you teach. know, of course, these are huge passages. And for a lot of people, they have set up yeah. the argument, you know. Yes. Yeah. The Bible says that I believe it. That's the the clear yep. thing. And done deal. Um <laughs> and and I and I right, but but you know what? Any English translation that you are reading is an interpretation of scripture. Absolutely. So, you know, scripture itself we could say is inerrant or an infallible, but our interpretations are not. And so much scholarship has now been done looking at the um the Greek of uh, 1 Corinthians and uh and Timothy the Timothy passage um of of what those can mean in context, whether it's what was happening in Ephesus where Paul is writing to Timothy and right. going unique city situation. You got to you got to put a yeah put a put a thing on this um <laughs> yeah. and um which which is which is different those are his pastoral letters versus his church letters right, right. um and, and we've so all then said when you're dealing with the, behind the closed doors pastorally church. where you're like we gotta deal with this like yeah. let's deal with it you know and it's it's we think yeah, it. We're you like, no, yep. he was writing to a private council like hey we gotta step into this you know yeah. you know it's, it's huge yeah yeah it wasn't necessarily paul saying like to uh, you know every time every place i my my kyle Pastor always said the Bible can never mean to us now what it didn't mean to them, the original hearers, yeah, right? Huge. We can't read something into it that wasn't there. And right. so when even even if you're just looking at the New Testament and ignore the women who prophesied and led and did all the things in the right, Old Testament, right. you then have to you reconcile have Paul with himself. Well, and right. you have to reconcile Paul with himself um, yeah, exactly. when he speaks so highly of women in oh, man, Romans, when he place. sends... Yeah, he sends Phoebe with the letter to the Roman church and then she would have to teach it. Like Yeah, I had a te I had a teenager one time who uh uh was kind of raised in church, had a Baptist background, and again, it's nothing against any denomination, but certain have in writing certain stances on women in ministry, certain do not. Yeah. But uh but she just in in just the most innocent fashion it came up to me and was like, Hey, um, does it say here that Phoebe was a deacon? And I was like, yeah, I mean, it uses the word deaconess out of, I don't know, female courtesy, but like, yeah, no, that's the same word yeah. in the Greek. Like, yeah, that's that's what it is. And she goes, oh, so why do people have so much of a problem with women being deacons? And just like, that was her whole thing. She had, she had done, argument settled. Yep. It was just like, this is fine. And I was like, you know, I need you to come to a meeting with me. <laughs> you know, yeah. just kidding. Right. But it's like, I just need, um, to, just need to say that again, you know, but slowly, yes. you know, so. Louder for the people <laughs> in the back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so we, ha so then you, you just have to, 
look at it with contextual honesty. Um, and I think right. that in our cultural church right now, um, there are a lot of things in our culture that are scaring us about gender and about yeah, roles and about sure. all those things. Sure. And and I feel that too. I mean, I have that as a mom yeah, too going, yeah, oh, I want to raise real my... Conversations to be yeah, had. there's real yep. conversations to be had, but I don't think our reaction to questions about gender should be a reaction to like swing the pendulum so far the other way that we're telling right. people they have to fit into to a double down box. on the wrong thing to do- exactly. yeah like don't double down on jesus like don't let's not double down on cultural gender roles um which yeah. is a whole nother um uh oh podcast for sure, for topic sure. um so so that's really how i mean i came to that space and um you know my husband and i really uh, together kind of had came to you we were both yeah, always fine sense, with yeah. Yeah, we were fine with fine with women ministry, but then we even still had people in our AG church who were like, "Well, how is he the head of your home if you're the pastor?" And we're like, "Well, <laughs> yeah. we'll figure it out." And so yeah, egalitarianism. I want right? To look it up. <laughs> yeah, like we exactly. And uh, you know, and I I feel like the last three years of our marriage have been the best. Um, not because of a pandemic, um, or or sure. pastoral transition, and like all these. There were a lot of awful things that happened outside of our life, outside of our little family unit, but because both of us reached a space of true freedom to function within our strengths. Mm. Um, I love that. Where I wasn't trying to like, I'm the extrovert. I'm the one who's like finding all this knowledge and wanting to share it, but I have to like- I need to, I, I need, my husband has to be the, he has to be the spiritual leader of our home. Um, right. When right. my husband is brilliant, like he's intellectually- yeah um like and emotionally he's he's a brilliant man um he doesn't want people to know how brilliant he is because then they ask him to oh, do sure. things um that's he's, <laughs> he's, he's yeah he's at enneagram nine um he really oh, sure. yep, yep. prefers to stay in the shadows so yeah you know but, but it's almost as if you guys came to a point where instead of viewing each other so strictly in these preconceived notions of husband and wife mm-hmm. you almost took that step back to what you said in genesis we are fellow mm-hmm. image bearers calling out the image of god in one another yes and like what a beautiful picture of what marriage could be what ministry yeah. could be what christian relationships could be of any sort within a church i love that calling nah. out the image bearer of god I've, i don't think i've ever heard yeah. that phrase and that is beautiful well, I, I don't know if i just invented well it either. Probably done not. But either way but either way, but either way i'm gonna write it um, down though because i want to you know no, that's fine trademark it because uh, apparently we can do those things now with we can do that worship yeah. leaders are us sorry yes. worship directors worship music, director, song director, whatever it is. music um, minister yeah i know for me part of my own journey like because again I, I also was kind of raised i mean roughly around evangelicalism but certainly not in pentecostalism and for me the the two moments that really got me is um when I would find people within the Pentecostal circle, because again, Pentecost was this experience in scripture where it was like all hands on deck, everybody gets used by the Holy yeah. Spirit to preach God's kingdom. And what I found so surprising was when I encountered people who could say that with such, again, clarity and such uh, assuredness. And then you would get to this conversation in women ministry and it was just this awkward backpedal. And I was like, man, it feels yeah. So weird to pretend that like the Holy Spirit coming upon all people for all people suddenly just skipped 50% of people. And so yeah. for me, that became a huge foundation point. And then the the final, I mean, you know, nail in the coffin, if you will, is uh, is when I learned how like uh, the concept of like court witnesses worked in the Bible and like the idea that Jesus would use two women yeah. to like share the gospel like for the first time ever you know like for the first time in the whole wide world like jesus is raised from the dead and it became this group of women and i realized like oh man here's a group of testimonies that is invalid in a middle eastern court and like 
this is how Jesus chose. And I just couldn't imagine after that point for me, I was just like, man, maybe I didn't have every question solved at that time. Maybe there's still room to debate some things. But for me, it just, it just, I was like, man, the Bible goes a direction. And it seems to be so clearly that Jesus worked within the Mm. bounds of his time to push us back towards creation, back towards this neutrality, everybody participating. And, and, and it just became a huge thing for me. So, yeah. What I found fascinating about that too, is the, um, as a, my, my bachelor's was in history. And so, um, I studied a lot of the reformation and, and and those things. And I have strong feelings about like Catholic doctrine um, because of the history, history behind it and, and all those things. And what has been so fascinating to me is in conversations with people who have grown up with a really, um, definitive women can't be pastors theology is they don't count the women preaching the resurrection as preaching they don't count it as yeah, like sharing yeah, the gospel because well it's, like it's not in a church yeah. it's not they're not leading a church right like that's right, which their... feels weird when there was no physical church at that time right like, and it just feels like and we're do we believe hairs. that yeah. the church is the people or the building or not and then it it almost feels like they fall into the exact same trap as protestants that they reformed against the catholic church of saying things had to be done in this way in order for it to count and it just seems wild to say the the gospel especially i'd say in a baptist context it's very much like the cross and the resurrection are the gospel like forget about jesus's teachings the cross and the resurrection are actually the gospel right and and then to not have there's this dissonance between um then well the women are the one who shared it the gospel but that's not preaching even if that's the gospel, it just is super. Uh, I don't know if that right. it's, it, conf- it again seems yeah. to split hairs. Yeah, the mental gymnastics it, of that yeah. is wild to me. Maybe yeah. I should write a paper on that instead. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, honestly, I know you're. In I'm actually gym, working on my conversations. Yeah, yeah on the one in Genesis. The one I like on I Genesis. That, yeah. yeah, that's actually what I'm. I it's due on the 13th of April, and I have not started writing. <laughs> I have well, my know, sources I mean, though. <laughs> it's like a Netflix series. If you're not binging it, like you're doing it wrong. Anyways, that conversation though. True, sir. I do know that we could we could dive into theology for a long time. Yeah. It could be the whole podcast. But I do want to say, too, that uh, just at this point, before we kind of switch gears, I don't yeah. want people to get the impression that we're stepping into this conversation saying, man, let's let's be little or look down on those who have walked this right. out as their truth. Um, I had a I had a great uh, friend and uh, he's uh, a man in his 80s. He's a deacon. And I loved his response because I've had a couple conversations on a local church level of like, hey, you know, uh, hey, we should, you know, I think as, as a Pentecostal denomination, we should be behind this, um, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and be championing women as deacons and as, and as ministers and all these things. And his response was not like the typical kind of writing it off of saying, well, women are too emotional and it's not biblical or blah, blah, blah. Like he didn't he didn't take any of the, the traditional routes. Yeah. What he told me instead is he said, hey, he said, I'm not opposed to having the conversation, but I've been taught these scriptures one way by men of God that I respect my whole life. And I just really in that moment, like loved his honesty and loved almost his his integrity in a sense. Yeah. He was saying like, hey, that's fine. But like, to me, this has been presented as biblical. And so I just want to maybe take a second before we switch gears to clarify that even as we, you know, poke a little fun and and I, and I mean, I poke fun in ourselves too, you know, in terms yeah. of our own foibles as Pentecostals, but I just want us to know like, Hey, on this podcast, yeah. if you're tuning in, like our goal is not to talk anyone down is on the journey. It's just to say like, Hey, we're sharing an experience, you know, ironically, much like the women of, of God just shared their experience. And like, it became the news of, of preaching the resurrection. And like, it's, it's this powerful thing that suddenly you wake up and you go, aha, like we could we could take this direction and it seems to be one that's in line with, with the gut, what the gospel teaches and who the person of Jesus is. Yeah. So, uh, 
Yeah, definitely could could rock that some more. But I kind of want to switch us back to the rural context. And we're going to uh, ask two questions that are mostly the flip side of the same coin. Yeah. So what are can some I, of, and we can start, go ahead. If you want to include a closing comment there, that's fine. I just want to close. Yeah, I just, um, I remember our, I did a leadership cohort with our network and Beth Backus said, one of the things that just helps streamline for her is like, this is a calling. It is not a cause. And, I love that. Um, I am so glad you yeah. circled back to that statement. <laughs> yeah. So this is not us like picking up our pitchforks and saying, right. you know, we want the power. We want the whatever. Like this is a, a call of loving the gospel and loving Jesus and loving the word and right. wanting to share it and and wanting to demonstrate the kingdom through healthy, I, I'll say also healthy male-female relationships in the workplace Yeah, absolutely. Um, in a way that reveals Christ. And so, and at the same time, we can, we can, I'll, I can talk about, Never mind. I'll go to the next one. Next thing I was going to say later. Yeah, no worries. We got, I'm going to save it for later. Up, but, yeah. But I love what you said there. Like yeah. it's not, you're not picking up this, you know, whatever it is. It's just like, Hey, we're responding to the call of God. Like anybody else responds to the call of God, you know, yeah. it's like, what? And then you step into that space and go, okay, well, what are the ramifications of me? answering the calls mm -hmm. you know yeah um but let's let's highlight the real context so i want to ask again two questions same side or different side of the same coin what are some of the advantages if there are any of a rural context that could maybe help women in ministry flourish you know and then we're going to ask the flip side of that in a second of are there any disadvantages to the rural context but i want to poke mm -hmm. your brain how do you feel about the context you're in. So are there any advantages that could help women in ministry flourish in the rural church? So the first thing that came to mind that I think is probably a both advantage and disadvantage. Sure. And it can be both. That's, yeah, that's the fun part is, about this. There's right, no really clear cut here. There's, there's no template for this. Um, right. Is there, like we talked about before, almost everybody who comes on this podcast says I wear a lot of hats. And sure. in that space it means that hey there's there's work to be done like there's there's yeah. a there's space at the table where we need people to come alongside and do things and help yeah. and get involved and be present and so in some ways it could be a real advantage to say man if we yeah. leverage our and i i don't mean to use words that are really like clinical and like using people oh, sure, in sure. like you know uh, uh ways that objectify them or whatever but but also like sure, okay sure. we have this but for the population sake of the metaphor. yeah for the metaphor yeah. how do we leverage this population where we need people we need volunteers for x y and z we need you know to be able to like the, to, to do the work run, of god right do the work the of church. god like there's so much whether yeah. it's youth or teaching or um preaching on sundays like you know it's a lot easier to do pastor home visits if you're not preaching that week um or, yeah. or it's there's there's so many factors so i think that could be a real advantage but i just don't think it's being leveraged um as yeah much exactly as it, it has be. a lot of potential right because again the, yes. the cool thing about rural is you just you need people and like Right. Those people are also women. And like so so it could, yeah. again, in the right context, under the right leadership, like, man, it could really blow the doors wide yeah. open of like, man, we put it in the hands of somebody who was called of God, whether they were male mm -hmm. or female, but we allowed women to step into that space as co-laborers. And man, something mm -hmm. great happened. And like, let's give glory to God for that. And like that, I, I agree with you. I think it's a huge advantage. Mm -hmm. um, but let's talk about that yeah. gray space or even some of the disadvantages. What are your, what are some of those that you see? Disadvantages of women in rural ministry. So from a from a structural standpoint, um, sure. the disadvantage is that um, I think what's happened and what I've noticed in our like in our context is that, like I said, we have a lot of like conservative culture versus sure, sure. biblical culture. It's conservative culture. And so right, women are right. supposed to stay home and take care of the kids and, 
you know, maybe help do the books for the farm, but sure, and, sure. you know, help help in the nursery, but they're not supposed to preach on Sundays. Um, and and right. that's been ingrained. So it's it's always interesting because then it's this like combination of you have these women who are rough and tumble farm hands, essentially. And so they don't fit like a stereotypical, like super feminine, like delicate sure, like mold. mold culturally. Sure. Right. But they still hold these ideals of like, well, my, my only job is to be a mom. And, and I, and I think that, so the, the three main categories that I would put as um, disadvantages would be um, like relational isolation for women in ministry the the hyper focus on motherhood in versus like co-parenting um honestly yeah and and it not being a discipleship focus um Mm. so so that there's there's like the the isolation piece let's maybe talk about first let's do it i until so my co-lead pastors now are it's a married couple they're empty nesters in their early 50s. They're a co-lead. Like they are two people married, sharing one lead position and truly sharing it. Nice. Not like just in. Not the token of not like the I tokenism. come and preach nope. and my wife does. Nope. She Again, is, kids ministry nope. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, they are they are co-leads in that. In every sense of the word. And but until then, so we have like, had like Chi Alpha staff um, on campus who are some of my close friends, but we did not overlap in ministry like very much at sure. all we still don't i was the only full-time female pastor in a 30 mile radius wow for that's four huge. years like yeah that's I, huge or five years it's that's that's hard and that feels really isolating the women's leadership journey that i did was really helpful to build relationships with other women in the network so that when i went to events i wasn't just like left abandoned because I didn't have, I didn't have female pastor friends. Like the, the only female pastor friends I had are, I mean, I, I built my community of pastor relationships via Facebook and Marco Polo, not in person because I had to, like, I, I didn't, there wasn't anybody around me. And, and I have, I have great male colleagues or, you know, other male pastors, but a lot of the other, these are not a detriment. Like it's not like saying like, Oh man, these guys aren't great people, but it's just like, man, you look around and we all do it too. I mean, like I remember being the only uh, paid youth pastor for Mm -hmm. these assemblies. I got churches in about 15 rural communities. And so all my colleagues were separated, not by a gender, uh, like a disconnect, but by an age disconnect. And so I was like, Yeah, I value all these men in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, but I'm like 22 at the time, and yeah. I'm like, it would still just be nice to look across the table and go, man, somebody yeah. who, who you know, for He's lack of a better term, like life. fits that same mold, like yeah. gets it. And so I can, yeah. I can only imagine how much more that yeah. is just exasperated when you're like, cool, I don't yeah. know any women doing this job, like neat, you know. This is great, yeah. Well, and like I did, so I, and I was the associate pastor, so I was full time. And sure. a majority of the other churches in town had bivocational, maybe they were getting a stipend or that, but so then their schedules didn't work with, you know, oh, my sure. schedule sure. in life to even get together really, because they had to right. do other things. And so that isolation piece is huge. Um, and, yeah. you know, yeah, I had to find my people like elsewhere. And like I said, I mean, I have, again, I have great comfort. I have great relationships with so many of my local pastors. Our ministerial association is like of all the people Killing I've talked it. to, has is one of the best. I mean, I'm gonna, awesome. I'm gonna, pull, I'm that. gonna fill the pulpit for our four square pastor when he's on sabbatical once this summer. Like, we awesome. have relationships that are really great. So, so that's that's hard. Um, and then it also feels like there are times where, uh, and I think maybe other rural pastors can relate, where you know 
network events or those things are like catered to bigger churches and like people come with yeah their absolutely and so yeah and, just on the rural front it's like yeah man you're not you're not getting the same opportunities right exactly not the same opportunities to connect or to be invited to things or like our I God bless them, but um, the some of the credentialed women in our section or area or whichever it is, because I always get them confused. Uh, planned like a women's meetup, women women's ministers and pastors' wives. I mean, at least they did both. Yeah, they contributed good. They good. they did both, <laughs> but but they planned it on the Saturday of the youth leader summit at noon, right when it finished. And so I was like, wait a minute, I I'm a youth pastor. Like I have to, I'm going to go out to lunch with my team and figure out these things. And so not understanding the intersectionality of people who fit, fit multiple molds and how that impacts our ability to build relationships. Um, And so I think in the rural world, that's a lot harder, that isolation piece. And so some solutions to that, I mean, part of it is networks being aware um, yeah, I, I think there's this also this reality and maybe other youth pastors can relate that like lead pastors get the emphasis when it comes to yeah, networks sure. reaching out, um, and for care and those things. And, and like, yeah. And, and I'm part of us could maybe get it. I mean, I'm a long time associate as well. And so sure yeah. you could look back and be like, okay, I get how hard it is sometimes to like reach beyond, but also, you know, is a minister a minister and are we trying to care for everybody and are trying yeah. to, to resource everybody? Cause yep. last I checked. Lead pastors have a lot of empty pulpits and so do youth pastorates mm-hmm. and so do kids pastorates and so do associate yeah. roles. Like we're all hurting for people. Yeah. And so we might as well take care of all the ones. All that we the have, people. You know, like- yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so networks being really intentional, even to create spaces to build those relationships. Um, I think that pastoral care is really helpful. Um, and I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm part of the the under 40 team for uh, not not the ag under 40 team but on facebook like just trying to build relationships it's not affiliated with the actual under 40 like right general counsel to be clear um but you know so trying to build those relationships and facilitate that and because there's always a need for it um and finding unique ways to build relationships so you know like we have in our friend group now three of us are like in the pacific northwest and my the one friend in Illinois like was flown out as a as a surprise from her husband and so it's like then the four of us got to get together and oh, wow. uh, have a day in Leavenworth and have like a girls day and girls weekend and so finding ways to 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 build your community um that's going to feed you and like lift you up and that you can lift up but as far as to to like the lead pass maybe the male lead pastors who are Sure, uh, sure. wondering Which like and still are what do i do with this yeah. <laughs> um yeah exactly i say you know some it, people again might even be sincere and just not and, yeah because we want to not knowing how to know yeah and not knowing how to do it and and but uh try to be aware of when you're scheduling things or when you're if, you, if you're a presbyter an area leader and you're scheduling events like try and be mindful of those spaces where there's intersectionality of of female and youth pastor female and associate or like are we are we scheduling things on top of each other that are, that are going to make the people on the ministers in the margins have to choose between who they connect with. Um, yeah. I was actually even just reminiscing on our, uh, one of our last uh, events where we were at a bunch of churches and there was a youth and kids pastor, like bowling, come hang out, meet mm-hmm. each other, hang out at the same time as like a women in ministry afternoon event, like literally one to three, one to three, like literally. Yep. And, and the thing is typically if given the choice between choosing a gender specific event or choosing a role specific event, like it is, just practically more advantageous to say, yeah, I have to go connect with other like peers in youth yep. and kids ministry. Like I have to do that, you know, like yeah. feels 
you know, yeah. like, like there's a choice, you know, in quotes, but not necessarily right. like a real choice. Yeah. So, and it's a, it's an aspect of, uh, it happened at our network conference last year where the under 40 meetup was the same time as the network of women ministers breakfast. Mm. And I had to choose. And the, the reality is in ministry, even though we would really like it to be more God favored or merit based. A lot of oh, ministry sure. stuff is who you know and building connections right. and building relationships, right? right? And if, so we're in those rooms trying to network. You know? If ministry is about relationships, then so is pastoring and, and getting pastor jobs. So for right. a for an under 40 female, I was like, I can go to the network of women ministers and like be with my peers and network in that way. Or I can go to the under 40, which are going to be the next generation of mostly lead pastors, because let's be honest, we have a low percentage of female leads and build networking and connections and friendships in that direction. And so, so just being aware of that and, and how it impacts the people, and it might even be a small percentage of people, but when you create space and when you are intentional, um, our, our superintendent, our, our network leaders, we call him, uh, his, his kind of thing about women in ministry focus was we're going to be intentional until it's organic, which is why we have an mm. appointed executive presbyter, which is why we have appointed female lead positions in right. uh you know, our executive presbytery because that they did it 10 years ago where they had it appointed to the general presbytery or I forget all the right right terms. Um, And now, right. And the structure of course has national leadership Mm -hmm. and then area leadership and all those things. And so, but now, but now women are being elected to those positions, not just appointed. And so we have to be intentional in order for it to become organic. Um, And I, you know, I look forward to the day where we don't have to have a network of women ministers breakfast because yeah, we're all it's just, just a ministers. Of ministers, right? Exactly. And we're not having. That's to... the thing is, I I think some people under like, I get it. Like, I mm-hmm. get that, and obviously a lot of for a lot of people the issue is biblical, but for some people the issue is practical. You know, where they get to the point where they say, "Man, I don't want to." Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to do this for like a token reason. I don't want. It's like, well, mm-hmm. no, these are just intermediate steps. Like it's like you said, the intentionality creates organic growth. And truth be told, like. Nobody's trying to get to a point where there are, you know, all women lead pastors or or vice versa. No. Just the point is like, are we just being viewed on equal footing together, all trying to do the same job, trying to do the same hustle, like just trying to mm-hmm. just trying to reach people for the kingdom? And like that's yeah. and I think the the difference of goals is what really separates. It's like you said, it's not a cause. We're not jumping on some bandwagon. It's like, no, we are no. we are following the call. We are answering the call of yeah. God. And so I think that's that's huge. What were some of your uh, what were some of your other categories there? Well, I forgot to write them down. So now I have to think about what I said earlier. Um, well, you mentioned said, relational said, isolation. isolation, relational isolation. And then uh, I know discipleship was one of them. Um, yeah, discipleship was the third, third one. It was the, the third one. one, the middle one. <laughs> Hinder the flourishing of women in ministry. Oh, um, the motherhood. Kind of, was the, it motherhood? The, yeah, the motherhood. Yes. And, I, okay. and, I, and I don't, I mean, let's be honest. Toddlers are tiny terrorists. And like dude, they... you and I are both in the thick of that phase of life. Like yep. I am literally recording this podcast as my two-year-old's napping and it's, pl- it's playing with a hand grenade is what yeah. I'm doing. Oh yeah. Like, you just, don't know. I, I'm just like, well, we'll see what happens. She could just wake up. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my girls are, my oldest is in school. Uh, she's in second sure. grade and my youngest is too, but, and, and we pay for daycare. So I do work right. full time. Um, both of us work full time. I, th- I think what has happened is, uh, what I've observed in my experience is like people are floored by my husband sure because he brings the girls to church when i'm there early and he would do things that in his mind is just being a dad 
Like he's just yeah. doing stuff with his kids. He's not super dad in, in his mind. Like, um, right. And, and truth be told, probably not like super parent. Like it's, these are normal expectations. These are you normal. Have to normalize right. that like we parent our kids. Like, right. Know, dads I, and moms anytime, like just... right. And, but, but it has in the church in particular, on the one hand, we say, moms, your greatest calling is being a mom. But right. we, I mean, maybe there are pockets that say, dad, your greatest calling is being a dad. But I hear a lot more of like, you better be a provider. And it's weird how often those two follow each other. Like I have obviously been front row seat to a lot of men's Bible studies or men's books or men's mm-hmm. curriculums. And obviously uh, we could we could joke about, yeah, the the common buzzwords of female curriculums and men curriculums. But, but the funny thing is like, yeah. for men, it really was weird that people would be like, family comes first and like you love your family and father is this gift and i like i promise you 10 times out of 10 the next phrase out of their mouth was like which is why you have to work hard and provide hard and set up a protected sacred space for your wife to flourish as the mother whatever you know whatever the language is but like but it really it really just tied it right back to yes you're a good dad but it's in your vocation, not as something you do and who you are. And like, and that's a subtle thing, but it's there. It's, it's there, there and it feeds our, um, I mean, our culture is already really like product driven of like, what can you produce? Sure. I mean, and we see that even in like, how many kids can you have? Um, I mean, they're yeah. like, I'm done. <laughs> We're not having any. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least not biologically, as far as it's up. Oh, you know, sure. As far as it's up to me, um, we are not having any more biologically. Um, but <laughs> sure. I, the uh, I think that there is this pressure to create such a like mom survival instead of or or just hyper focused on 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 being the best mom ever that we forget what that looks like to do that in community. Um, model what it looks like to serve the kingdom. And I think, and it comes back again, we could go down to history rabbit hole of like, when did the nuclear family like become the thing? Um, Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But let's be honest throughout most of history, you had two working parents, whether they were out in the field or they were, it was just survival. Yeah. Like you did have (laughs) to do stuff. Women were working. They might've been, you know, working on the loom while the kids are over at, sure. you know, so-and-so's house. But it's not like we had this 1950s setup of yeah, mom staying home, cleaning. It's really not. And and so, so actually, I, you know, there's certain pockets that might really lament like kids being in daycare. At the same time, like we had, we had that like tribal communal raise the kids right, thing right. for, for hundreds of years which some could call the proto daycare you know like exactly that's, that's it, it was, was. You know, i mean it like, really was hey and we're so, all gonna work over here men and women mm-hmm. alike while this group of people you know are takes care of this and vice versa and, and yada, vice- yada. exactly it was the you know a mark of civilization when you can trade goods which meant watching kids while somebody else like does the things sure. and then they pay you in the flower they mill or whatever i don't know um but uh, and so i think we've missed some of the value of of building community in in those ways as well because moms are just so trying to like live up to all of the mom standards that they can't build community and then dads are so overworked that by the time you get to trying to build any sort of like community outside or you're just dead like (laughs) and and so i think kind of encouraging uh, the women in our churches to not just have their identity as moms um right because yes that is yes i'm a mom um right but there are a lot of other things that i'm 
um, that I, that I love and that I'm interested in. And I want to raise my girls to love Jesus, but I don't want them to think that loving Jesus only means being a mom. Um, and 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 not that a mom, yeah, not that being a stay-at-home mom is a great thing, like, but that can't be your identity. Yeah. Even going back to that conversation about image bearing, for example, like Mm -hmm. it would feel to me really unacceptable if my image bearing as a man uh, Mm -hmm. got reduced to like, you get to be a dad. And I'm like, Hey, hold on a second. Like I'm a pastor and I have these hobbies and these interests and these ways Mm -hmm. that God moves in my life. But to just so, you know, so be reduced, I guess, in the importance of all those things. Like, of course it's the classic age of argument of like, Hey, once we flip this, it becomes unjust. I'm like, well, if we flip it on men and it becomes unjust, then like it is unjust unjust. for women, you know, to like, to to say your entire image bearing is is based on this and it's like man that's just yeah you know that's just rough you know yeah and we and and so i think that i don't know the full answer to that because i feel like i'm still trying to figure that out as a mom as a working mom but i have a lot of mom friends sure where all that balance is and like how do we value all these things and like these are all great yeah it's not not me looking down on being a stay-at-home mom and there are times where some people love it because some people love stay-at-home parenting and that's just who they are and it's who they want to be and they're like this is the way i fulfill the call of god on my life and you're like that's fine Right. Right. That's that's beautiful for you. And yeah, like you said, it's like, I, I want to show my dogs and I want to like go be part of, of other things and, and, and stuff too, and bring my kids along and show them those, those things that I love. Um, But it doesn't have to be, I mean, there, there are times where I've been like, man, maybe I should just, you know, stay stay home. Um, right. But, for sure. For but sure. how, but the how much of that life, has yeah. been a, how much of that has been a cultural thing? Because I'm in, I'm in a church space that, that there is so much of that. And people do give me funny looks when my kids are in daycare and, and yet yeah. then every I mean, single honestly. person who meets my girls is like, wow, they're so well adjusted and have like, they're wonderful. And, yeah, and, and you know, like, and it's like, wait a second, maybe it's because my I'm, kids I'm just, aren't yeah, again. Yeah, we don't have to yeah. go too far, but I'm like, no, but it's it's a statement, you know, it's a question. Yeah, let's so. let's not let's not worship motherhood um right. to the sense that we have undervalued and like not called men to just be active parents. Um sure. you know, when when we have popular Christian authors that are saying, Well, you know, your your husband has used up all of his words for the day, which is a totally made up statistic, by the <laughs> way. Um so the whole good. like numbers thing, it's totally made Gosh, up I hate um, that. of how many words. Man. And um, so, so you much. need to not talk to him when he comes home. And it's like, I've been around toddlers Ugh. all day. Of course, I'm going to talk to my husband when he comes home. Yeah, honestly, and like, it's, it's his job, right? It's my it's my job as a pastor to, I mean, the, the reverse is true too. I can come home from a hellacious day. Am I allowed to say that word? Yeah, um, uh, probably. Where, and of of just being sucked dry, right? Like yeah. of, of emotional and spiritual and especially, you know, going through this transition that we just had. Um, right. I mean, I had to take over every, I mean, a lot of things, not everything, a lot of things. And, right. and obviously been, people work back into that, but man, you did a lot. Right. You know, like I did a lot. <laughs> and my husband really took over a lot more at home and he had to bear a lot more of the, of kind of a, a single dad life on weekends when I had to finish sermons and I had to do things when, and uh, that shouldn't be odd. And yet it is. Um, and there was this like, we have to wrestle through it. So, so just using language, I think for, for pastors who are trying to figure out how to, how to um, encourage women in that regard, like 
don't use language that's just about mothers and wives. Like refer to women, not just moms and wives, because there are probably single women in your congregations too that are not part of that and feel like they're second class citizens um, and want to be just as much a part of it. Um, sure. So, so yeah, I mean, family is important. We know that. And yet Jesus talked about our families might hate us. Right. And how do we prioritize actually like, I just feel like we've reached a point of like worshiping yeah. the nuclear family instead yeah. of and honestly, like cultivating even, even in the missionary context. I know a missionary shared one time and they had they had a son with special needs and they felt called to the country of India. And uh, and it's it's still when I say it out loud, it feels controversial, you know, which mm-hmm. maybe is the cultural context or the background. But I think it's at least worth chewing up, you know, and, and thinking about. But the, mm-hmm. the gentleman and, and his wife both mentioned, they said, you know, we felt like God had called us, our whole family, to go to India to, as missionaries. That's the call of the gospel. That's what mm-hmm. built our faith is the going and preaching. Yeah. Um, but he had people who said, how could you, you know, set your son up to fail? I mean, he's not going to have the services. He's not going to make it like you are destroying your son's life. I mean, like they, they like used, wow. you know, we've all had been on the end of those intense words. Yeah. Well, sure enough, the, the missionary couple, I mean, obviously it hurts them to the core, but they say, Hey, we, we have to believe what we say we believe. And so they go. And uh, six months later, they actually had somebody reach out to them. Just this classic God story of someone saying, Hey, uh, I've always dreamed of being a missionary associate. I feel called to, you know, this work. I feel called to India. I feel called to you guys. And I have a background as like 15 years of a special education educator. And like, oh my gosh, got to then like jump in and like not only do the ministry she was called to do, but also meet this need. And like, how many of those stories do we miss out on because we diminish again what God can do, you know, through those situations? So. Hey everybody, thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of Rural Advancement. Uh, It is a two-parter, and so I do hope you come back for the rest of the conversation on women in ministry and how to help women flourish in the rural church. Again, from all of us here at Rural Advancement, as a reminder, it's our goal every single week to bring you content that is spoken to the rural church and by the rural church. We hope that you are encouraged, challenged, seen, and valued as we all continue to do God's work in a small place. Feel free to spread the word about this podcast. Uh, you can check us out on Apple Podcast or Spotify or our website, www.ruraladvancement.com. Um, or as is you know the case in most rural settings, word of mouth is as good as any. So if you know a pastor who uh, could benefit from some of these conversations, um, drop him a line. Let him know that we're here. And uh, for now, I have been Joe Epley, and uh, she has been Pastor Rebecca Thomas, and we'll get to hear from both of us more next week, and we'll see you then. <music>